Good evening from Plunkett Studios in Largo, Florida. I'm Scott. I'm Abram. And we are here with episode 531 of F5 Live, refreshing technology for Sunday, July 7th, 2019. This show is a proud part of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. This week, Samsung might have misled customers, Amazon might be liable for others' products, and MoviePass might be just about done. Wherever you are and however you're accessing our show, whether it be on uh, social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, on um, uh, any of the podcatchers like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, the Podcast Play app in the Microsoft Store, the myriad of others like Spotify or TuneIn, on any of our live stream partners like Livestream.com, Facebook Live, YouTube Live, Twitch, Mixer, or Periscope, or of course, on our website, PluckItSlive.com. Thank you for making us a part of your day. Uh, there are two ways you can do that. The first is normally on Sunday nights at about 9 p.m. Eastern. You can go to f5live.tv slash join us. And there you can chat with us in the studio during the show. Give us your feedback on the, to- on the topics as we discuss them. If you can't join us live, that is okay. You can also uh, go to pluggitslive.com slash subscribe. You can see all of our shows there and all of the many ways that you can follow our content. Uh, I think that is the spiel for tonight. Avram. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. You know, getting getting by. Well, I think that's about all we can ask for, can't isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, we should uh, let our viewers know that um, tonight is a little different than normal. We have actually done some big upgrades here in the studio. Uh, we have eliminated two full computers out of the setup. Um, in fact, I have a photo of the pile of equipment that was replaced by adding in just one new piece off to my right. I am so excited. Uh, it is making my life way easier. <laughs> I cannot wait to see how editing goes later tonight. Um, it is, I guess, I'll, uh, I'll call it out. It is the Rodecaster Pro from Rode Microphones. It is the coolest mixer I've ever used um, for... Uh, small production stuff. It's great. I'm very happy. Uh, the All of the, the music that you'll hear tonight comes out of the... There's a soundboard built into it, so my old soundboard's been retired. The mixer, which uh, Avram will find fun, the mixer was the last piece of equipment remaining from um, a previous host of the show. <laughs> it was the last piece, so... We are officially 100% done with that period in our history, <laughs> which makes me very happy. Um, and uh, we're not using the, the technology that's powering the screen behind me if you're watching live or the split screen if you're watching later is actually not running through two computers anymore. It is running through the uh, live system. So very exciting. Uh, very happy about that, but it does mean that there might be some weirdnesses tonight, and I apologize if I hit the wrong button or something like that. It is what it is, just learning this equipment tonight, so. <laughs> uh, so, anyway, uh, I figured I'd put that warning up top uh, for anybody who's watching live or listening later. There might be some oddities, like Avram might blink occasionally. It seems to happen in the studio, but not in the recording. So I don't know what that's about, but Avram might blink occasionally. Little weirdnesses like that. We're working it out. We'll figure it out eventually. Um, 
So uh, that's been my week, has been learning this new piece of equipment. <laughs> What's your week been about this week, Abram? Oh, lots of, well, um, helping my folks prepare for 7 nanometer Sunday, which is today. Uh, although, the, really, the real work was done by uh, our heroes uh, who, who did the testing and writing, Paul Alcorn. Chris Angelini and, and Thomas Soderstrom, who, who did reviews of all the new AMD stuff uh, that's now on Tom's hardware. And, uh, you know, more experimenting with the Raspberry Pi 4, trying to get it to do, trying to get it to do cool things um, with some limited success. <laughs> <laughs> are you still, uh, are you still working through the incompatibilities on the operating system? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of, um, I think the thing that we're all waiting for, uh, we people who like Raspberry Pi are all waiting for with bated breath is for uh, RetroPie to work, uh -huh. which is RetroPie is the software that most people, I mean, there's a couple alternatives, but I don't know if they're compatible. It's a software that most people use to, to play retro arcade games, retro video games on the Raspberry Pi, which is an extremely popular use case. And there's a lot of kits out there that support it. Hmm. Well, folks, really that was, I, I guess that was, uh, that was the equivalent of your, uh, your nightly, uh, Skype pickup is you just went black for a second. <laughs> so, uh, regular use case. That's where we. Oh, sorry. That's where so it cut out. A very frequent use. A very frequent use case of Raspberry Pis is, is retro arcade machines. There are a lot of uh, kits out there that are sold that are just made so you can put it into an arcade machine. Right. And uh, the Pi Maroni company, which is a company that makes Raspberry Pi accessories, actually sent me uh, their Picade, which is. Uh, like an arcade machine, like about a Yo desktop height one. Uh, and this is the new one that's just for the Pi 4. Okay. And I can't test it yet um, because I can't run RetroPie right. on, on the Pi 4. So, um, I mean, I could test putting it together, but not actually using it, I guess. So, um, you know, I have been like rudely like on the forums for RetroPie, which is a, which is, a project that many people depend on, but is actually a volunteer project that has some uh, nice folks uh, working on it. Uh, and I know they're working diligently to make it compatible with the new system, but you know, so that's something I check like multiple, multiple times a day. And I watch like the developers get upset because people are on the forum saying like, oh, I'm trying to figure out how to make this run by, by editing this config file. And the developers are mad and they're like, don't do it. Just wait, you know? So, um, you know, I don't, I don't know what to say, but you know, as a journalist, I'm just kind of sitting there hitting F5. I'm F I'm F5 living it on the, on the retro pie forum so that I can find out when it comes out. So I can break the news or yep. put up the news. So, you know, that's, it's all part of the really hard job of testing cool stuff. But, um, <laughs> Especially when you're dealing you with know. the, the bleeding edge stuff, the, the, this yeah. came out faster than it was kind of supposed to. And it threw everybody off. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, so my my goal is to try and, you know, write about stuff before everybody everybody else does. So mm-hmm. that's the goal. You know, sometimes you can sometimes you can beat people to it, and sometimes you can't. Um, so that's uh, that's where we're at. And uh, today we didn't beat anybody to it because it was an embargo, standard embargo for right. everybody. But we have a ton of coverage of. Uh, of the new AMD stuff, which we'll talk about later. Very cool. Well, I will say that the Pilch Point episode from last week about the Raspberry Pi 4 um, spiked in viewership for the first 48 hours. It was our top uh, viewed episode, uh, a video for that 48 hour time period, starting about eight hours in. So with only eight hours of viewing, it was the number one video on our number one video on YouTube. <laughs> and it stayed that way. For People a love the Raspberry Pi. Yeah, for sure. People love the Raspberry Pi as they should. Indeed. I won't talk about it in depth today, but everyone should buy one. And that's my pitch. Well, I, uh, I can't wait to get my hands on one of them. Yeah. I'm going to do the uh, higher end one for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is hard to get right now. Right. Uh, Micro Center, for example, only has the one and two gigabytes. So, yeah, that's the reason why I've I've held off as I haven't been able to get my hands on one yet. But as soon as I can, I will. Well, let's get down to some news from the week. This week's Nifty Gifties on F5 Live is proudly powered by the Microsoft Store. Whether you're looking for a new laptop, a tablet, a Surface, Surface Book, Surface Laptop, a new Xbox, or um, a number of other products that may not be Microsoft, uh, including a whole line of uh, additional laptops and even the Samsung flagship phones, the Galaxy S10 is available, and a whole lot more. You can find all of the products that are available uh, by going to f5live.tv slash Microsoft. And remember, students and military get a 10% discount. So speaking of Samsung, let's stay with Samsung and talk about an interesting situation that they have found themselves in in Australia. Um, when the Galaxy S7 came out... Um, it was the first time that Samsung had rated their flagship um, for IP68, which means that it is uh, submergible in water for up to 30 minutes for up to a meter and a half um, fresh water, in an important part. Must be fresh water. It does not count uh, salt water. It does not uh, count uh, chlorinated water. None of that. Just fresh water. So essentially, if you were to accidentally drop it into the sink while you're doing dishes, chances are the phone won't be ruined. That's really what it's about is in your daily life, you know, the places where you are, where there's a little bit of water, if it gets wet, the device is supposed to withstand it. However, the advertising over the last couple of years has featured people uh, swimming at the beach, in pools and a number of other scenarios that the Australian government believes uh, sets consumers up for a false expectation 
on what water resistance means on their devices. And they have uh, sued the company for false advertising, obviously, in Australia, because it's the only jurisdiction they have to do that. Um, but it's definitely an interesting claim. I personally don't remember seeing any commercials like that, but that doesn't mean that they didn't exist outside of the U.S. Um, or, you know, I don't watch a tremendous amount of TV with commercials. Most of my TV watching is done on Hulu with no with no ads. So, you know, I don't see a whole lot of television ads as it is. Um, so I may have just missed them myself. Um, but uh, Samsung has said that they, they stand behind their advertising, but also note that, yes, the phone is only rated for fresh water. Uh, in fact, their website says it very specifically in the FAQ section uh, of their devices. So I think this is going to be fascinating to watch. You know what I'm curious about? Because I, I, I don't think we ever tested the Galaxy S series and other types of water. What happens if you do drop it in, in chlorinated water? Is it is it die immediately, or do you have a, like a few seconds to pick it up? My guess is that what the situation is, is that uh, it probably would generally be okay maybe the first or second time but especially with chlorine uh the seal that keeps everything protected probably gets eaten over a, over a couple of minutes by the chlorine that's just a guess because you know that that kind of that kind of rubber or silicon doesn't usually survive chlorine very well so that might be that might be the situation that they're experiencing, but I don't know. All I do know is that uh, customers have said that um, that based on the ads, they used it the way they saw it being used. Uh, their phones were damaged, and Samsung wouldn't uh, honor the warranties. So that's where all this came from. I remember the commercial where somebody was dropped it into a fountain. And that would be fresh water. Mm -hmm. So it was very slick of them to do that. I didn't realize at the time that that was what they were trying to portray. Because I didn't think that was an extremely common problem, dropping your phone into a, into a fountain. I mean, if you're the Friends yeah. cast, maybe. But outside of that, it seems unlikely. I mean, I guess, you know, drop your phone into, uh, I mean... Go swimming in a lake, drop your phone into a fountain, drop your phone to a sink. Um, not sure I would really want to ever touch it again, but drop your phone into the toilet. I saw um, that coming. You know, although considering you've got 30 minutes, you could drop into the toilet, then run it under hot, run it under warm water in the sink, True. clean it. So, um, so there's, so there's that. Um, and likely dish soap would be fine on it. Yeah, uh, one video that I listen, you know, I'm just going to set a mental reminder here between you and me. One video, one thing that we that I discussed with my team at Tom's Hardware a year ago, and we have to do it is do a video about how to clean your motherboard in the sink. Apparently, you if you cover certain parts of it, you can clean circuit boards. It with water 
mm. that uh, you can take it in the um, so and people have done it so I've got to try and find out exactly what the details are on that are but we've been meaning to do a video about actually like how one could you know clean a motherboard like that now why you would want to is another story absolutely um, it seems like you know, although that it seems like keeping the wafer board from expanding be your number one challenge the outer rim of it yeah, getting wet would expand the would expand the wafer yeah i mean i i think i assume that yeah we'd have to try the other the other thing that would be interesting would be since we're on the topic uh <laughs> raspberry you know what happens if you drop your raspberry pie in the water it probably totally destroyed almost oh, certainly um it depends on what case you've but, got you it know, uh, but you know, for thirty five dollars, for thirty five dollars, we could definitely spend money to find out. But yeah. um, you know, I'm I, I, I'm going to I'm going to guess that it's probably not good for you. Probably not. Uh, so it, it's it's it is impressive though that when you think about you know the beginning of phones, and now you have phones that are water resistant, which right. is nice, but not to the point that people um, think that they are. Right. And, and you know, that's, that's the thing. It, it's all about what people think, right? Like, uh, there was a survey this week that said that uh, a third of, of U.S. residents believe that they are running on 5G today, which is frightening because obviously, no, there's like eight devices in the country that are running on 5G and you guys probably have one of them. You know what I mean? It's just... <laughs> There's so few out there, but, you know, perception is, is always concerning. You know, we remember uh, a couple of years ago, the iPhone hoax that, that said that, uh, the iPhone was, uh, was waterproof when it wasn't even water resistant yet. And, uh, that you could charge it by putting it in the microwave. You know, people believe crazy things when they hear them. Yeah, well, good. Um, good for the government of Australia for trying to hold Samsung accountable. Uh, I haven't seen the commercials that that imply otherwise. As you said, maybe right. they didn't air in air in the U.S. Also, that was the S7 that they're going back to. So, who knows what commercials they've shown for the S8, 9, and 10? Well, they're actually they're actually citing all of the devices from the seven forward. Um, oh, okay. Um, but they're they're stopping at seven because the six was rated differently, um, and uh, the six also had the active. That was when the the water resistance was on the the active series. Um, so they're not going back that far because I've never seen an ad for the active series devices. Um, so it would be pretty hard to uh, to advertise that. I think. You know, but. This will definitely be interesting Interesting to watch. Samsung is standing behind their advertising, and the Australian government is very much not. So that'll be a fight that will be interesting to watch. Uh, Samsung absolutely plans to fight this in court. Um, and I guess that would make sense, considering uh, their reputation is a little dinged right now uh, with you know the fold and all of the things that have gone on uh, 
with with the corporation itself, you know, executives going to prison and all the weirdness that happened in their their corporate offices. You know, their reputation is a little dinged right now. Um, so I can't imagine that it would be good for them to have have this stand. So I think they even if they don't agree with it, I think they have to fight it personally. So it'll be interesting to watch. This week's Pilch Point with Avram Pilch is proudly powered by Newegg. Uh, Whether you're building a new PC or upgrading an existing one, Newegg has all of the parts and pieces that you need uh, uh, to to get you going. Whether you're looking for a motherboard and processor, you're looking for um, power supply or a new SSD, uh, Newegg has it all. And they have daily deals like laptops and hard drives and RAM. And uh, to find all of the deals and uh, all of the products that are available, you can go to pilchpoint.live slash newegg. So what have you got for us this week, Abram? Wow. So today is 7 Nanometer Sunday. <laughs> Although if you're watching this afterward, today was 7 Nanometer Sunday. Um, and I call it that because AMD launched its new line of Ryzen 3000 series CPUs, which are seven nanometer. It's, uh, it's new Radeon 5700 and 5700 XT seven nanometer graphics cards. And the uh, X570 chipset, which uh, you need, which is their new chipset that you don't absolutely need to, to run the Ryzen 3000, but you need to take totally to take total advantage of it. Uh, and get the you know the highest speeds uh, to the bus and all that. So there's a lot to talk about. There's a lot to unpack, uh, and definitely the best place to read all about it is at my website at my day job at tom'shardware.com. Uh, all of that being said, let's break it down for you a little bit. So um, so AMD is the fir- is way ahead of Intel uh, in in hitting, in mass releasing seven nanometer uh, products. Now, Intel has sort of touched on 10 nanometers and Intel's 10 nanometer process is somewhat similar to the seven nanometers of AMD, but we still haven't even actually seen the 10 nanometer laptops come out except for a few really low cost ones that were sold only in China last year. Uh, so Intel's had an ongoing drama about their inability to get you know, smaller, to get chips with a smaller die size than the 14 nanometer process they've been using for like six years or so. So, um, so AMD's new processors uh, have a ton of cores. The rise at the top of the line one for now, although there's going to be, I think, another one coming out in September. That's is there? I think there may be another one coming in the near future. That's even more um, that we've heard may be coming sooner soon. But right now, the top of the line is the Ryzen 9 3900X, which which will cost uh, which costs five hundred dollars and uh, 
which costs $500 and gives you 12 cores and 24 threads. Uh, it, you know, but that's 500 bucks. Uh, so it's kind of expensive. Our, our, our favorite is the next spot down, which is the Ryzen 7 3700X, uh, which is eight cores and 16 threads. So, so we think, um, so anyway, these processors support PCIe 4, which gives it significantly faster, uh, possibly a significantly faster interface with your SSD. They have, they are unlocked for overclocking out of the box, and they compete very well against Intel's Core i9-9900K and Core i7-9700K processors. Now, where, do, um, where does this kind of leave you? Well, they, Intel still has an advantage in clock speed and instructions per clock. So, on a lot of tests, the AMD products are, particularly gaming, the AMD products are going to be, are not not going to beat Intel. But on, but in terms of you're getting more cores, and depending on what you're doing, perhaps productivity things, multitasking, um, things like that, you you may you may see faster, you may see better results, um, especially, you know, for the money when you talk about the Ryzen 7 3700X. Um, so these, and of course, another thing to factor in is they come with a cooler. So, you know, when you buy the Intel high-end processors, they don't come with a good cooler. AMD comes with a really great Wraith cooler that is RGB and works really well. So and, we really and like, and that's nice um, because, uh, like, the uh, the Threadripper, which is from AMD, does not come with a cooler. So, you know, the that's like that's an important differentiator if you're looking at you know the the five hundred dollars for maybe a first gen Threadripper or five hundred dollars for even the the thirty nine hundred. Yeah, that that price. They may be the same price theoretically, but the Threadripper is not going to come with that $70 cooler. <laughs> so even even on that particular product, it's still a better deal than their own line. Yeah, I mean, obviously the Threadripper is for definitely not for mainstream users. Right. These are your mainstream processors for, for regular folks, whereas Threadripper is probably for... I don't know, maybe you're doing some kind of crazy video editing. It's not normal uh, video editing. Like it, It's worked real well for uh, the other studio computer for us. We, uh, right. we, we run the, uh, the portable machine on a 1950X. Yeah, so those, I mean, but here you're getting like a ridiculous amount of threads also. Um, and you're the getting 24, 24 threads. And the cooler. And the cooler. So, and and with Intel's chips, the 9900K, 9700K, you're not getting the cooler. And right. you got to figure you're going to at least spend, I don't know, 40, 50 bucks maybe on on the on a good cooler. Mm -hmm. So you know, it adds the cost. Um, 
Then moving along, the their graphics cards, the Radeon RX 5700 XT and RX 5700, um, compete very well and actually get higher frame rates uh, than NVIDIA's GeForce RTX 2060 and 2060 Super. Um, the 2060 Super having just come out uh, in the last week also. Um, you get nine, you get 9.9% higher frame rates on the, R- on the 5700 XT versus the 2060 Super and 11% higher frame rates on the 5700 versus the RTX 2060. So, you know, you're talking about, you know, especially with the RX 5700, you're talking about, you know, 350, a really good $350 card. Now, it's it's not going to do ray tracing, um, but it is going to give you really good 2K gaming and and sounds like pretty decent decent 4K gaming. So. You know, the, unfortunately, they're not a, a ton of retracing titles anyway right now. So, um, so I think a lot of people are going to gravitate to these cards that compete really well with uh, NVIDIA's kind of mid-range uh, 2060 series. Um, finally, uh, finally, uh, there's a slew of new motherboards out that use the five set X570 chipset. Uh, we reviewed the X570 Tai Chi from ASRock, but that's just one of many, many, many that are coming from ASRock, ASUS, Gigabyte, um, all the major motherboard vendors, uh, MSI, are, are going to be there with X570 boards. Um, but but what, you get, uh, what you get with these is the ability to use the next generation of super duper high speed SSDs. Uh, we know right now that Gigabyte is coming out with a PCIe 4 SSD, uh, and we know that, um, and we know that we're going to see them also from uh, from the likes of Patriot Memory, but uh, and very powerful. But they're not cheap. The Tai Chi motherboard that we uh, that we reviewed cost 300 bucks. So keep in mind that if you want to get the full path, you know all all the features with your with your you know new Ryzen chip, you've got to get a fairly pricey motherboard. Mm-hmm. Now you can still buy a last gen motherboard, the X470 motherboard. They're still making them, and those will work with the new chips. They won't give you the faster bus speed, but they will give you like you take advantage of all the processing power. Okay, so so you lose some of the the other capabilities uh but the processor isn't going to be lessened so if you're not if you're not using one of the faster ssds or something like that it's not going to hit you quite as much on a 470 but obviously the 570 is going to be your better yeah better i mean go for the yeah, future yeah. right of course you know, when you think about considering that there really aren't these SSDs really aren't on the market right now, I mean, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's uh, it's not a, it's not a crazy idea to buy the last generation motherboard, get it cheaper, and spend your money elsewhere on the processor and on the graphics card. Makes um, sense. Yeah. At some point, at some point in the future, I fully expect Intel will also embrace PCIe four because they'll need to 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, right now, it's a very nascent thing that AMD is doing first. Sometimes AMD is the first to do something, and that means that there's not fantastic support for it across the board. I mean, AMD was the first to do multi-core process to do multi-core consumer processors. Mm-hmm. So that's that's true. Uh, that's actually when I I started drifting that way myself was uh, was when they they started to do that kind of thing, and uh, I mean obviously my setups <laughs> vary between both AMD and Intel, but you know, they, they each have their, they each have their market. They each have their thing that they're, they're really great at. If you're trying to build a very big PC for way less money, AMD is oftentimes a way to go. Yeah. At this point, we can't really say that these new chips are like much cheaper than their Intel competitors, but they give you more, uh, more features, more cores for their for around the same price. Right. Makes sense. And um, what is the availability on these things? Obviously, we know about them today, uh, but you can get them now. Okay. There's. It's not like the Raspberry Pi where you have to wait for them to come in. Um, you can get them now. They're all available on sites like Newegg, uh, stores like Micro Center. Um, you can get, you can get the video cards, you can get the CPUs, you can get the motherboards. It's all, it's all out. Um, what's interesting is they chose for their launch day a Sunday, uh, which for those of us who have to publish a review on that day are not very happy, but, um, they really had to get it live on, uh, July 7th, 7-7. Uh, so they announced these chips a while ago. They've had plenty of time to to get the word out to, to ship them places. So, uh, so yeah, they're, they're easy to, to come by. Gotcha. Well, that's, that's good. And, uh, obviously you guys have, have a lot of content. Yes. Tons more than I could describe in any reasonable period of time. We have like 15 pages of benchmarks on these products so come to our homepage, tomshardware.com you will see uh, exactly how the new CP- the top two cpus the 3900 and 3700x 3900x and 3700x compare to themselves and to uh, their intel competitors you will see how the uh, the new radeon cards compare to their competitors and predecessors and you will see how uh, one of the many new X570 motherboards does. Uh, so check it out. It's at the top of our homepage at tomshardware.com. Very cool. Well, as always, Avram, I, uh, I appreciate you uh, bringing the topics that obviously are way too technical for our team to, uh, to dive into. <laughs> testing a processor is yes. way different than testing uh, LED bulbs and things like that. So. Yes, but the LED bulbs look so much prettier. Um, fair, fair enough. Although if the processor has an RGB uh, cooler on it, I mean you're a little bit yeah, of, a little yeah, bit of both sides. Yeah, with the with the RGB cooler. <laughs> well, uh, always appreciate it, and uh, I can't wait to look at some of these uh, these benchmarks because, as the viewers are noticing, we're having a little bit of technical difficulty in here tonight and uh i think it's time to update the the pc 
the uh, streaming PC. So uh, it's going to be time to start looking at these at these benchmarks and decide which way to go. So, uh, as always, thank you much. This week's Extra Life on F5 Live is proudly powered by Razer. All the accessories you need to up your game on both PC and on console. Uh, whether you're looking for uh, keyboard and mouse, uh, controller, webcams, or full systems, Razer has it all. And right now, as part of their, uh, their 4th of July weekend promotion, which obviously will be ending soon, uh, they have up to $900 off uh, their gaming PCs. Uh, right now, plus um, obviously a whole variety of other things. Their their uh, new quartz edition line, which is all pink uh, and actually really cool. The new uh, Razer Kraken X and a whole bunch of other products. And you can find all of those by going to f5live.tv slash Razer. So um, we have talked a number of times over the years about some of the dangers of uh, crowdfunding and um, it seems like the dangers are constantly growing and getting more interesting and uh, that I think that's just you know the, the nature of, of the idea of crowdfunding sometimes you know products don't happen um, you know we had to pull a, an interview from CES down this year because it turned out that the company hadn't fulfilled for over a year hadn't fulfilled their uh, their Kickstarter campaign. I'm like, nope, not keeping that up. So, you know, there's things like that out in the wild and it sucks, but it's, I think most people know what they're, what they're doing when they get into a crowdfunding, but sometimes things go extra strange. Uh, and that's the case with, uh, a video game that the campaign actually ran in 2016, I think. It's been three years since the campaign ran. The game is for Shenmue 3, which was a very, uh, very hyped uh, sequel to a franchise that looked like it was probably over um, because they didn't have the backing that they had had in the past. And so they ran their, their campaign and they promised that on day one for their backers, they would get a Steam key. Seems pretty reasonable. It's a PC game. How are you going to distribute it? In 2016, how are you going to distribute it? Steam. They're really the only game in town. Since then, though, as we've discussed over the last year or so, um, both Epic Games and uh, Discord have brought game stores to the PC. And uh, both have done it in different ways. Discord has gone for the indie games, whereas Epic has gone for exclusives. And that's where this story gets interesting. Epic signed a deal with the publisher to make it a one-year Epic Games Store exclusive. Which means that the promise of a Steam key on launch day, not possible. In fact, not possible for a full year. And so, if you bought, uh, if, you, if you backed the project with the expectation of a Steam key and you are not interested in participating in the Epic ecosystem, you can ask for a refund, which interestingly will be paid by Epic. 
which I'm I'm fascinated by. Um, this is the first time that I know of that we've seen at least a a Kickstarter of this size uh, change its fulfillment so significantly that that they had to offer that the new fulfillment method had to offer a refund to people who were upset by it. So here's what I don't get. And maybe I just don't use uh, Epic games enough. Why, if you really wanted to play the game, why not just use an Epic account? Why is it such a, a detriment to have to use both steam and Epic? Um, so, so there's a couple of things going on. The first is that the gamer community is unhappy with Epic's um, move to go for exclusives. Um, and so there's been some backlash by the community not to support Epic in any way uh, because of this. Because a number of high-profile games have, have gone Epic exclusive, there's been, there's been some community backlash. Um, but... Even if you don't care about that, um, having multiple game launchers can really eat up a PC. So I, I can appreciate it. It's, you know, you'll remember years ago we had uh, EA Origin as a sponsor. And so I had Steam and Origins launchers on my computer. And, oh, do they take up space? <laughs> um, and... You know, you got to switch. You got to switch launchers. Nobody's going to have both of them running at the same time. Most people are having their their chats and their conversations with their gamer friends in the Steam world or in the Discord world. So you're going to have one of those two open anyway, plus the launcher for this other one. Yeah, you know, there's so there's there's resource concerns. There's uh. There's business model concerns. There's a lot of reasons why people are unhappy with it. Yeah, I mean, I guess, but you're still getting, I mean, it's not like you can't play the game. I mean, I guess unless you have a, a Steam box or something, which I don't think they even make anymore, right? No, so, they don't. So, eh, I mean, uh, that's it's a shame, but I can't really blame the publishers of this game because they obviously needed to do whatever they had to do to to get the resources to make the game so yeah, epic to keep is funding paying it. them if epic is paying them to fund it then why wouldn't they do that sure and if you really care about the game then you would you would understand that as a as a customer and sure i mean that obviously if they were loaded with money they probably wouldn't have gone to kickstarter in the first place that's true for sure Although um, I've seen companies do that just to promote something. Mm -hmm. That's true. We've seen some some high-profile companies uh, do Kickstarters basically as a either a pre-order system or just to get the name out. So, um, so if you're interested in a refund, we have a link uh, in the article at PlugHitsLive.com uh, to get a refund or... If you still want a Steam key and are willing to wait for it to come to Steam, which some people were saying in the comments that they were interested in, um, the company will still be fulfilling through Steam on the first day that they are legally permitted to, 
which will be one year after launch. So if you still do want it as a Steam key, you're welcome to request that as well, but you must request that. If, uh, if you do not request a refund or request specifically a Steam key, you will get an Epic Games key on day one fulfillment complete. So uh, definitely make your, make your choice and probably do it fast. This week's news from the tubes and F5 Live is proudly powered by Rift Tracks, Make Fun of Movies, or Let These Guys Do It For You, because that's what they do. Mike Nelson, Bill Corbett, and Kevin Murphy, the former stars of Mystery Science Theater 3000, are back and doing what they do best, creating commentaries for Hollywood blockbusters and B-movie oddities like 1990 Bronx Warriors. Can't make this stuff up. Uh, the way it works is for a couple of bucks, you download the MP3 uh, or uh, sync it with your phone and uh, sync it with your DVD, Netflix, Amazon, uh, wherever the movie happens to exist and laugh. Um, from time to time, they also do uh, live events and they've got uh, the summer shorts beach party coming back. Um, I don't know when it is. I think it's in August. And there appears to actually be... Maybe that's not what's next. Um, I don't know. I might be confused here. There's a lot going on. Because for the 4th of July, they're running uh, some deals. Yeah, the next one is the giant spider invasion. But there is a deal right now where you can get $2 off the Summer Shorts Beach Party from last year's Rift Tracks Live. That's what's going on. Uh, August 15th at 7 p.m., the giant spider invasion. If you want to find out the theaters that it's, the uh, movie's going to be available in and uh, make your purchases and find all of the other films, you can go to f5live.tv slash tracks with an X. All right. Did um, you know... Say what? Oh, I was just going to say, did you know 1990 Bronx Warriors did not come out in 1990? <laughs> Even better. Um, 1982 <laughs> wonderful I oh, the best I love the movies that they choose they they always choose just like they did for MST3K they always choose the weirdest stuff either super high profile or bizarre I like that one uh, Birdemic is still my favorite which by the way there was a sequel to and I plan to watch the riff tracks of the sequel. I can't believe that kid made a sequel. Anyway, uh, let's talk about Amazon for a minute, shall we? Um, obviously, when Amazon got started, they were a very focused online retailer. They sold books. And uh, there are some pretty wonderful photos of, uh, of the CEO in his, uh, in his garage at a computer surrounded by boxes of books to... Uh, to demonstrate just how uh, direct all of it was. Today, uh, things have changed, and about half of all products that are sold uh, through Amazon are actually sold through third parties in the marketplace. They're sold and delivered without Amazon being involved, similar to a uh, flea market, 
where Amazon doesn't necessarily know the products, doesn't necessarily know the sellers. They just give a virtual storefront for sellers to uh, to sell their stuff. Uh, Avram did a while back a list of some of his favorite bizarre Amazon brand names, many of which are in that in that boat where they are sold and and uh, delivered not by Amazon but by somebody else, um, and so that has caused a problem. And uh, a lawsuit in Philadelphia has uh, highlighted that problem. What happened was, in 2016, somebody purchased a retractable leash for their dog on Amazon from a seller called Furry Gang. Uh, it was sold and delivered by Furry Gang, so Amazon was merely a storefront for it. Um, the leash broke. The cord flipped back, caught the customer in the eye. She is blind in that eye. And when she tried to contact Furry Gang to uh, deal with the defect and the obvious physical uh, issues that have come from it, uh, they were nowhere to be found. And in fact, Amazon couldn't find them either. And so uh, she sued Amazon over the defect. And Amazon said, not our product, not our sale. We weren't. That's not us. And every court so far has agreed until this week, where a federal appeals court in Philadelphia said, nope, definitely your problem. Because you allow uh, sellers to be essentially anonymous uh, and not you know, sell under a name that's not necessarily a legal entity. Nope, definitely your problem if they disappear. So that's interesting. You know, I really wish that Amazon would make it um, a little bit clearer with whom you're buying from, mm -hmm. because it's often very hard to tell yeah. whether something is actually being shipped and sold by Amazon or not. Yeah. Because um, even things like you might think, oh, prime shipping, but then I think you can get prime shipping and it's not from Amazon. Correct. So it's not being shipped from an Amazon warehouse. Yep. So yeah, there's a lot of third-party sellers you know, who are direct, who are involved in the uh, in the Prime system. So it's it's really hard to tell because let's be honest, they don't want you to think about it. Yep. They want you to think that everything you buy from Amazon, you shouldn't care. Sing like it shouldn't matter whether single seamless experience. Right. You shouldn't care. So. If, if that's the case, then they have to take responsibility for what's being sold there. Now, mm -hmm. if they want to be eBay and make it really clear that they are just providing a, an interface, a storefront for these folks, then, um, then they need to, then I think they need to be clearer. Now, in all fairness, to, in all fairness to Amazon, you know, it's worked pretty well for the stuff that I bought. But there are times when I see things on there and I really, really don't trust it. Like, you know, you see that there's like, you know, oh, here's this computer. It's a little, uh, you know, it's not, it's not largely 
you don't see it for sale anywhere else anymore, and there's three in stock from a third-party seller. Mm-hmm. Um, is it going to come? Is it going to be what I ordered? Right. You know. Um, so I think they I think they need to be more upfront about that. Uh, granted, I I know why they don't want to because they want you to think it's seamless. Right. But here, but here's another situation. Where, here's a situation where it wasn't seamless. Yeah. And you know if. If they required the seller to be um, upfront about who they were, right? Um, that they are a third-party seller. That they are um, uh, that they are a corporation or an individual. The the name that displayed as the seller was a legal entity. All of those things, yeah. That that might change things, right? Because if you have a legal entity name, you can go find the per- the corporation. And and go after the corporation, but if you're not, if there's no legal entity behind it, you know, it's just furry gang is just some kid in his parents' basement. You have absolutely no idea who they are, which is really where this where this comes back. And I have a feeling that that this could cause problems uh, also for. Uh, for eBay and and uh, Etsy, uh, where where the same thing is the case, all communication with them happens through the site. There's no external uh, easy communication. I mean, some of the sellers will send you an email outside. It's a different situation, but you know, there's no direct communication with them. It all happens through Amazon, through eBay, through through Etsy, uh, and the names aren't necessarily connected to a legal entity. So I think all three of them could could see some challenges here, but I think it's an important move. I think that we need to be able to to know who it is we're buying from if we're not buying directly from Amazon uh, and be able to contact them and be able to, you know, if they disappear because uh, this seller went away almost immediately after this happened, probably because their product was a disaster and uh so you know they they disappear and now this person has no legal recourse for something that that blinded her now there's there's I, no I way had, that doesn't become amazon's problem i had an issue a couple of years ago with jet.com uh jet.com is another site that uses third-party sellers mm-hmm. and it it's you know and I had bought. I was looking to get um, a, a portable air conditioner, and Jet.com had it for like a hundred dollars less mm-hmm. than everybody else. So I said, "Aha, okay. I hear Jet.com is pretty good. I'm going to order from them." A couple of days late, a few days later, I get something in the mail. Find it on my porch. Actually, no one came to sign for anything the box is like half open or whatever. And it's a swamp dehumidifier. It is not the, it is not the model that I ordered at all. Right. Mm -hmm. And this is a heavy, heavy object. I had to go through a lot of, uh, rigmarole to, to have it taken back. And it was from a third party seller on jet. And what really killed me was they didn't even remove the listing after that. They left the listing there. Nice. 
you know, I checked months later, the listing was still there for other people to go potentially buy the product and to order this and get sent the wrong thing. They never had any concern about, hey, you know, it was like, oh, you don't want it? Okay, you can use our return process, whatever, but it's not our fault because we're not, we're not the seller. Yeah. So, you know, but I, you know, I managed to return to get my money back. Then the weirdest part of the story was I never went back to Jet again, but a year later, a year later, the same product showed up on my doorstep again. <laughs> oh, so I knew the and first I, I, part I, of this story. I hadn't heard that part yet. Yeah, it showed up again. <laughs> And we had to, like, call Jet and yell at them to get them to take it back. I mean, I didn't even know if, like, they were going to bill me for it or mm -hmm. what. I certainly didn't want it. It was not something I could even use, you know. But, like, somehow they managed to, the, the seller or whoever shipped it to me again uh, without my permission. So, like... You know, that's, uh, I don't think very highly of that site, but, um, but anyway, it just kind of shows you what it kind of shows you yeah. what can happen when you have uh, third party sellers and you don't keep a really tight rein on them. Yeah. You know, I was really shocked that rather than trying to investigate and found out, okay, these people are advertising one thing and shipping another, maybe we should remove the item and maybe discipline the seller and kick them off of kicked them off right um you know it just kept right on on going and acted like it's my problem for ordering the wrong thing even right. though it was very clearly clear the listing was not was no mistake it like well it was a mistake on their part but it was i made no mistake it was, uh -huh. it was the right model that i wanted yeah um i ordered an air conditioner and i got a dehumidifier completely different things i uh i had a similar situation interestingly on amazon the one yeah. and only time because now now I go and I look. Who is it being fulfilled by? Uh, if it's not being fulfilled by Amazon, I'm not ordering it. Um, I'll, I'll buy it from a third-party seller if it's fulfilled by Amazon because that means that their people are going to put their hands on it. Um, right. So uh, it was a laptop battery uh, for a, a laptop that we were given a while back. And I'm like, all right, well, you know, for 18 bucks. It's uh, it's worth buying the battery. I go buy the battery. You know, all the listing, everything is correct. Um, and what they ship me is something else. It's a smaller version of the battery. You know, like a half capacity. Um, and I went for the the super capacity battery. And so I contacted Amazon. They're like, oh, sorry, our bad. No problem. Here, um, we're gonna ship you another one when you get it. Put it in the box. Send the other one back because I know you're going to CES in a couple of days. We will do this backwards so they ship me theoretically ship me another battery um to to fix the thing i get it wrong battery <laughs> it was still the slimline version um so the the listing from the seller must have must have put model numbers wrong so that they could sell it for the higher price and have it deliver the have Amazon fulfill the smaller one or something. I don't know, but it was it was pretty annoying, and it was the one and only time I've ever bought anything uh, that wasn't fulfilled by Amazon. And uh, obviously, it won't happen again. 
because of because of this because there's all these problems with it and so i'm not surprised that this has happened um it's probably best for everybody involved including amazon's own reputation um to start being a little more uh, transparent on this stuff and make it so that we can contact the actual seller if something goes wrong so we'll see where this goes uh but i mean this was a federal appeals court other than the Supreme Court, I don't know that they can go much higher, and I can't imagine the Supreme Court hearing this case. So uh, it's been kicked back to a lower court for the actual um, case, so we'll definitely be keeping an eye on that. Speaking of Amazon, this week's DRM not included on F5 Live is proudly powered by Prime. Uh, obviously, watch who your, who your fulfillment is. But you know your basic uh, Prime benefits. You get free shipping on, uh, on a bunch of products. But you also get Prime Music, which gives you several million tracks available to stream for free. There's Avram's favorite Prime Video with TV, movies, uh, documentaries, and more, both original content and licensed content, including a bunch of HBO back catalog stuff, all available as part of your subscription for no extra charge. Plus, there's my favorite, Twitch Prime, where you get one free subscription every month. Uh, you can subscribe and uh, help support your favorite content creators. You can you can uh, subscribe to Plug Kids Live or anybody else uh, for free. And you get free games uh, every month. They switch out and uh, you get them. They're yours. You get to keep them and play them. Uh, and it's, it's wonderful. They're it's similar to Xbox Live or PlayStation Network. Plus, right now, if you are a Switch owner, you get a free year of Switch Online as part of uh, your Twitch Prime subscription. And all of the links to make this easy for you to find and try out. And uh, also, if you're not a subscriber, a free 30-day trial, which now would be a great time because we've got Prime Day coming up in just about a week. Uh, all of that can be found at f5live.tv slash Prime. So, um, we've talked about MoviePass a couple of times as uh, they have spiraled from a media darling to uh, just shy of closing their doors. Um, customers have been unhappy as they've changed their plans, they've changed their pricing, they've changed their availability. And uh, this week, they changed... Uh, that they are available at all. In fact, their mobile app went dead on uh, July 4th at 5 a.m. Eastern Time. And they announced it the day before, which is a little weird, when you take into consideration the fact that they claim that it went dark as part of a system update that would take several weeks. So here's the thing. Uh, no. No mobile app requires that you take down the uh, an existing app to update in a couple of weeks unless the developers are completely incompetent. Um, putting, you know, doing updates side by side is very common. Multiple versions of an API or whatever you're doing, very common in the industry. The idea that they would take down and shut down operations, essentially, of their company for several weeks uh, so that they can update the mobile app experience? Nuh-uh. They are either the most incompetent group uh, ever or 
there's something else going on here. A lot of speculation around uh, whether or not the company will be able to survive at all and whether this is them looking for a way out that might um, might work. Uh, the fact that Regal Cinemas is likely within just a matter of weeks of launching their own in-house competitor, which Avram and I have said a number of times is probably the only way a subscription service like this could possibly work is if the, the uh, theater chains themselves run them. Um, you know, that that's going to be huge against them. Uh, hello to the chat room. I see people, uh, looks like, on Twitch saying hi. Hi, we're listening, I promise. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, the, I think this is the, be, the, the canary in the coal mine. I think this is, this is the, the signal of the end of the brand. That's that's my speculation. How did they last this long? Right? When they got started and it was like and they had, you know, a couple dozen subscribers. I know I'm I'm hyperbole. Um, but you know, they were a very small company. I had a I have a good friend um who has helped out technologically with the show a number of times, um, that was a subscriber before anybody knew who they were. They were like fifty bucks a month or something like that instead of the $10 a month that they tried to go to, which was never going to work. And he said, you know, it was a great deal, even at 50 bucks. If you're a big movie person, you go once a week. The 50 bucks paid for itself um, in in most places. Uh, but, you know, at that point, there was a way to sustain it. Not a great way, but there was a way. But at 10 bucks a month, it was never going to happen. One ticket, and they were losing money. It, they're not Twitter. They're... <laughs> You know, they're not able to to run a loss for a decade and have investors just keep writing blank checks. The, Twitter was an obscure situation. This was never going to be able to go that way, right? Yeah, it's amazing. Looking at the history of it, it's actually been around for several years, uh -huh. right? According to Wikipedia, which is never wrong, it was... Uh, <laughs> Founded in 2011, uh, and then it began a, a beta test in 2012, got its new CEO in 2016. Uh, and that was that was when they tried I, to move from being a, a very niche service to being a general consumer service. And that was that was the beginning of the end for them. Yeah, I mean... It's amazing. I guess this can go in the sort of the annals of uh, internet business history next to some other really great ideas that couldn't make money right. or make enough money. Like uh, my, my personal favorite, Urban Fetch. Uh, I loved Urban Fetch. I don't know if you guys had it in Florida. There was Cosmo and there was Urban Fetch. Uh -huh. Cosmo and Urban Fetch... Well, Urban Fetch was like, I think Cosmo came first and Urban Fetch came later, uh, but Urban Fetch was better. So in, we had these in New York, and I think there were in some other big cities where you could get anything delivered to you within an hour. And this is like 1999. So, I mean, not anything, but they had, you could get sure. videos. This is when people actually rented videos on <laughs> media. <laughs> Uh, rent it to you, but you could also get 
like food, medicine, a, a DVD player, you know, a TV, whatever. I mean, they didn't always have all the best for movies they did, but that was their main thing. And they tried so hard to get uh, to get people to use it that they were giving stuff away. I remember I ordered from Urban Fetch one day. I bought a DVD or something. For my DVD that I bought, they gave me like a $20 gift certificate and like and like fresh baked cookies. Um, okay. And I, and I understand their DVDs were so much cheaper than they were cheaper than wholesale. So there was this other e-tailer named Big Star, which sold video, sold videos back at a time when it wasn't obvious that Amazon was going to be a leader. Big Star was sort of like the Amazon for, for DVDs. And big, there was a story, I think, in the newspaper where Big Star would just order all of their discs from Urban Fetch, have Urban Fetch bring a truck over, and they would buy them all from Urban Fetch and then resell them to people for more. So, Wonderful. <laughs> so there's just a lot of like, internet history is full of things like that, which, you know, they were good services. They were consumer friendly services. It was a, Urban Fetch was a nice service. It was, it was good to have. Now we sort of have same day delivery on Amazon, but mm-hmm. it's, that's a fairly recent phenomenon yeah. and it's taken like, 20 years to get there yep. or something like that. So they were way, way, way ahead of their time. But, um, you know, that I think movie pass will take its place in the history of businesses that people would really love it if they worked, but they can't make money. They can't make money doing it. Yeah. But there's no way to make it work. What was that one that they were going to have where, Instead of having a satellite TV, you'd be able to you you rented the an antenna online or something. Remember the one you could stream basically you could Damn. stream any network television station from any without, from any market. You could rent you rented a cable box. Uh, yes, we covered it so much. Nick was obsessed with it. I forgot the name it. of it now. Um, I forgot. Yeah, because. You could rent a cable, essentially a, a tuner in uh, in any market. And so for Nick, he was able to rent a tuner in New York to be able to watch Giants games that were blacked out outside of the market. And so it was a huge yeah. it was a huge deal for him. So we covered it a lot. Zen Diva. Nope, that was the DVD version. Because uh, anyway, yeah. In, you interesting. Get, you get the point. An interesting idea that that the uh, that the broadcast networks did not understand that their that their viewer count was still being counted because they were still unique tuners. They wanted they wanted control of it, yep. and the movie theaters want control of this. Yes. Now, I think the movie theater. I think to the credit of Movie Pass, obviously the idea has merit, and therefore. Yeah. A cinema chain is going to try it. Sure, you were going to see Regal launch it. Uh, we have we have pricing that leaked this week on on Regal. Um, yeah, you know, they're probably going to launch it this year. Um, but you know, like we've talked about before, you know, there's there's a difference between 
a good idea that's implementable and a good idea that's not, you know, for, well, for Zendiva, uh, the DVD version of the, the antenna idea, the antenna idea, um, this here, um, urban fetch, you know, that they weren't implementable by that group, but you know, this idea through the exact same idea through Regal because their costs are different. They're not buying the tickets retail. The costs are different. Yeah, it's possible that they can make it work. Amazon made, you know, two hour delivery work because most of Prime is going to have that option uh, <laughs> within two years. Um, Netflix, you know, really proved out the, the stream just about anything anywhere. Uh, and the antenna thing, you can now get uh, live TV with Hulu, PlayStation View, uh, Sling TV, you know, a whole bunch of companies right after that lawsuit was complete came out with the ability to watch local networks through streaming and they're paying licensing, which uh, that antenna company wasn't. So, well, you could think about this. Napster is sort of the, the, uh, the parent of iTunes for sure. The parent of Spotify. Yeah. Because Apple wouldn't have gotten into the, into the iTunes game as hard as they did. If Napster hadn't proved that people wanted digital music. Yeah. So, you know, uh, I salute movie pass. They should probably be honest with everybody and just admit that they're going out of business. Uh huh. Um, but, uh, that's, uh, you know, sad, sad to see, but, uh, I guess they can, I guess they can feel proud of, uh, the accomplishment of bringing the idea into the marketplace. Yep. First one to market is almost never the one to, uh, to survive there. Ask, uh, Ask Palm and Blackberry how that worked out, you know. Yeah. Just because you're first, and just because you have huge market share, does not mean that uh, you will survive. So that is our show. Thank you to those of you who uh, joined us live. Uh, if you didn't and would like to in the future, you can go to f5live.tv/join us Sunday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern. Uh, chat with us in the studio like we've had some uh, some chats uh, coming in on Twitch tonight, which we appreciate. Uh, thank you to those of you who have been talking over there. Um, if you would are not able to join us, you can always subscribe by going to plugkitslive.com slash subscribe. There you will see all of our shows, including F5 Live, The Pilch Point, um, Plug Hits Live Presents, and more. And uh, yeah, uh, next week, uh, the show will be on but it will be slightly different than normal um because uh we will actually hopefully if everything goes right uh aaron hurst from the 3000 brigade will also be in the studio if i can convince her to do it because this coming weekend is uh metrocon and so uh, yes metrocon so many conventions uh and aaron is back as a cosplay guest so the three of us will have a lot of fun next next sunday if i can convince her to be on the show after the weirdness that is MetroCon, unless we have to be there late, in which case we will let everybody know ahead of time that things are going wrong <laughs> and we will not be able to do the show. So it'll be a little bit of a uh, fly by the seat of our pants next Sunday. So uh, follow us on Facebook. That is where we will make our announcement. And I guess with that, on behalf of the staff that's not here, I'm Scott. 
I'm Abram. And hopefully, <laughs> we will see you guys back next week. Ciao.